Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Of the podcast. I'm your co-host Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneider. Richie, we got a bit of a grab bag today. We're going to talk some football spring practice. We're going to talk some basketball news. We're going to talk some tennis news, believe it or not. Talk some Rutgers wrestling news. Uh, but let's just kind of dive right into it. So we're at week two of spring practice 2023. Um, Rutgers had its uh, yearly let the assistant coaches talk kind of sessions last week. So the reporters uh, there heard from the offensive coordinator, Kirk Soraka. They heard from defensive coordinator, Joe Harris-Simiak. They heard from new wide receivers coach, Dave Brock, and a few players also spoke. Just kind of uh, tell us what you heard from the coaches. So let's start with uh, Harris-Simiak. Um, yeah, Harris-Simiak didn't really say a ton, per se. Um, he mentioned some things here and there about the defense. Uh, he obviously likes having uh, Toure and... Moses Walker back. That's that's huge for the, that defense, especially given the fact that they had what two linebackers all last year. Now you have a full linebacker corpse again. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it, he. There's not a really a whole lot to be taken away from any of these interviews. Um, I hate to say that, and especially because we only speak to these guys once a year. Um, but yeah, no, he seems confident. Um, he definitely wants to build on what he did last season. Uh, they had one of the better defenses in the Big Ten last season, and. Uh, the only downside is is they're they're on the field so much, so it's hard to really get a full grasp of how good this defense really could be. And I don't know if it really changes that much this season either. Yeah, somebody also asked what Motore's plan was in terms of position, and he gave the uh, you know I can't answer that answer, but um, I'd have a hard time believing he's not rushing the passer at least fifty percent of the time. And I don't think they'll play him like a Micah Parsons role. But I think that's probably what he'll end up playing, like some kind of variant of that where he plays off the ball sometimes, but primarily as a pass rusher because uh, he's too good at that to not be doing that primarily, in my opinion. Yeah, and no, I think they're going to go back and forth. Um, <clears throat> I know they, was, they obviously moved him to line, not moved him, changed his position on the roster to linebacker after being D-end or D-line, whatever it was last year. I, I honestly think, like you said, he's too good of a pass rusher not to have him Pass rush. Um, he's still the best one on the team by far, I think. I don't think that's a question. I know Aaron Lewis obviously had a pretty good season. But uh, if you have him on one side and Toure on the other, it's, it's a formidable uh, pass rush attack, especially when you add in Wesley Bailey, who was starting to show some glimpses of a uh, potential too. So it's. Uh, I think he goes back and forth no matter what. Um, but this kind of also allows you with your linebacker core finally healthy, it allows you to actually play a 4-3 and that you probably wanted to from the beginning, but last season you had two guys, literally two scholarship players, or two guys with experience, I should say. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I know they just want to correct some stuff he said in uh, the press conference, and that's that's really all it is. I don't think you change much based on last season. Yeah, they had a pretty good defense. It's just they're a little bit let down uh, by their offense being on the field so much. So good pivot to uh, what – what did uh, the new offensive coordinator, Kirk Soraka, say in his interview? Um, Kirk is a man of uh, many words. Um, he says a lot without saying anything, and that's going to be the kind of consensus with every assistant coach. That's They're not allowed to say much. We're not allowed to report much, and that's just kind of – it is what it is. Um, there, there's really not much to say there. He, he spoke highly of Gavin Wimsatt. The question beforehand, before the answer, was mostly centered around Wimsat, so don't don't overthink it. Although I do still think Wimsat wins this job by easily. Um, that's not saying it's that's not saying much though, because the quarterback room in general's weak. It's green. Um, they mentioned a Johnny Shepard. I know everyone's talking about how his his ear his eyes perked up, and he was talking about a Johnny, and it's like, dude, he's a freshman. I he's. Mm-hmm. He's got some talent, but he's so far away from starting in the Big Ten, in my opinion. I think he's a couple years away from even playing a snap. So uh, I do think he redshirts at the end of the day, pending some kind of crazy 
knock on wood, some kind of crazy injury thing going on with the first two quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, no, they, they, they just, they haven't said a whole lot. Like it's kind of just been quiet. Well, I shouldn't say he hasn't said a whole lot. He said a whole lot without saying a whole lot. Yeah. He was very, um, he was talking about how so much of this is just installing the, the offense right now. And, you know, that's from the, the, you know, the freshman who's here in his first few weeks of uh, working or being at Rutgers to, you know, the fifth year senior, they're all learning a new offense. So it's, you know, getting terminology, right. Getting like positioning on the field, right. Getting formations down. It's a lot of just like basic learning and they can't really judge how a guy looks in that offense until they understand the fundamentals of it. So it's uh, it's not, unexpected for him to not really have firm opinions on players yet, because honestly, nobody really knows. Um, so that's yeah, TBD. Like the, the worst part is, is we talked to him after practice number two and I wish we got the OC at practice number 12, not two, but I don't want to say it's strategically planned like that, but it's strategically planned like that. I would assume. So um, we, we don't learn a lot from talking to the guys. They got to see them literally throw in two practices. And it's uh, most of the time they don't even have like pads, like it's spider tech pads or whatever you want to call them. Um, it's, it's like a false pad almost. So there's not a lot going on. Like it's and spring ball at the end of the day, like is I, it's supposed to be able to build hype. And it's just, there's not a lot of hype right now. Yeah. And that's partially due to how, Greg wants it to be in terms of limiting information that is allowed to be um, discussed, which is minimal. Um, so anything that is seen is basically off limits. So yep. uh, it's hard to really develop hype for a program when nobody's allowed to say anything and we've been struggling <clears throat> the last few years. Um, <clears throat> now, it doesn't mean we made no progress because I do think there was some evidence of progress the last few years. Mm-hmm. It's just in football, everything's so binary you either won the game or you didn't you know a four and eight season is a four and eight season um even if you lost three of those games by single digits and were leading in you know more than half your games ultimately doesn't matter it's what your record is at the end of the year but we're not getting blown out by 50 points regularly anymore it happens still occasionally but not a not nearly yeah. the frequency it used to we're not you know taking the 50 point shellacking from a down wisconsin team anymore um but it's still true. Um, we didn't even talk about Dave Brock and I actually uh, thought Dave Brock was the most real of all the interviews so far. Yeah, yep. um, he was funny when he walked up, like he, he said, like, cause they put us on the left side of the camera. So like, we don't interrupt the camera or whatever and all the lighting and all, all that nonsense. And uh, he walks up and he's like, Hey guys, uh, you're all on my, uh, my good side today. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I didn't want to get you on that side coach. Blah, blah, blah. He's, he's just a funny dude. I know I talked to, uh, a former Rutgers head coach about him before the interview. And uh, he even meant, he mentioned too, that uh, he's just, he's a hilarious guy. Um, he, he just made joke after joke uh, about him being old. We, we brought up his experience. He's like, Whoa, hey, hey, don't, don't be saying that. I've been coaching for something 30 years or something like that. Relax. Like he's, he's just a funny dude. And he was, he was real. And um, I, I want to preface this by saying uh, everyone that's roasting me for asking the same exact question about Rochelle again. Uh, he didn't give much detail in the first one. I had a story, on, or Chris had a story on Rochelle. We needed a better quote, so I asked it again, and he gave us a better quote. He talked about how Rochelle was used as a running back, as a punt returner, which most people didn't know about, um, as a wide receiver. Um, he mentions Nassim Brantley as an outside guy. He was probably the most talkative and will be the most talkative guy out of all of spring. Um, I just don't think he... Uh, Maybe he didn't get the media training that everyone else got. Maybe he just was kind of like, I don't care. What's the what? If I tell him to see Brantley's on the outside, like no shit. Like, yeah, he's the biggest receiver we have and the most experienced. Despite you know I'm only being here a few weeks, but yeah, yeah. he played on the outside at Western Illinois. He played on the outside at Sacred Heart. Guess what? He's probably gonna play out here. He's um, a slot receiver now. Yeah, yeah. like, um, no, but he was good. So speaking of. Uh, wide receiver. Uh, we reported last week that we were having a, a wide receiver transfer portal visitor. Did he make it onto campus? And have you heard anything about, about how that went? He that was did make it. Jackson uh, yes, from he did. University of California, Pennsylvania. Yeah. That, the, that Vulcans. Weird, the Vulcans. The um, Vulcans. Yeah, no, I talked to him. Uh, 
He said, um, let's see, where's the text? Uh, dude, that visit was perfect. Um, built a pretty good relationship with the staff. Um, loved everything about it. Uh, love the OC, wide receivers coach, all that, blah, 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 and best in preparing him. I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up at Rutgers. Um, the longer it takes, the more less confident I am. Um, mm-hmm. I actually thought it would have happened by now. But that's it, this, I'm not the really... curtang vibes where everything sounds awesome right after the visit, but you know, yeah, a few days turn into a few weeks, turn into a few months, and it's pretty obvious at that point. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, maybe they want to build a little bit of hype um, and try to get them committed like in the next week ahead of spring game or two weeks, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if he did commit. Can he mm-hmm. enroll and start participating in spring practice, or would he have nope. to be a summer enrollee? Okay, he'd have to be a summer enrollee, which is fine. Like, there's no rush, really. I guess there, but um, <clears throat> I, I still think he's one of your top receivers immediately. Him and Brantley would be wide receivers one and two, in my opinion. Maybe Rochelle is like a do it all type of guy too. Chris Long's going to be in there, factored in somehow, and I, I think that's your wide receiver group for the most part. Maybe some of the other guys get a couple catches, maybe Isaiah Washington all of a sudden shows up. But I, for the most part, I don't see, uh, I don't see any weapons on this team in terms of wide receivers. And then that's, that's a big, it's a big factor right now. It's, it's a little scary. So, yeah, I know the staff, I mean, not talking about wide receivers, but I know that they're very high in Victor Kanopka and he went down early last season and Greg specifically mentioned him, you know, how he, you know, somebody said that you lost him midway through the season. He's like, we only had him for a third, a quarter of the season. He went down, I think, first Temple with an injury, and he never really came back. Um, Mike Higgins was on the Rutgers uh, Instagram. Uh, I don't know if you saw that highlight reel catch he had. Um, and then we have the running backs, obviously, are probably the deepest position on the offense. So you got to hope that one of the tight ends develops into an actual weapon to, because that's really. Those guys have size, they have speed, they have like what you look for in a prototype of a tight end. They just haven't really done it on the field. So you got to hope between a guy like Mike Higgins or Victor Kanopka, one of those guys really blossoms. Because, I mean, we we met Vic at uh, at the Geo, Geo's watch party for the Night Society. That dude is fucking huge. Like, yeah. you know, we're both pretty tall guys. He towered over us. He is probably legit 6'6". He is massive. Yeah, no, he's he's a big dude. Um, tight end wise, I know they like Victor, but Victor's got to develop more, in my opinion. Um, Johnny, I I think he is what he is. I don't think there's really much uh, more of a ceiling for him. And then Mike Higgins is is young, so you got to just hope you can develop him too. I still think you need a tight end in the portal. I think that yeah. without a doubt, you need somebody there. I don't know, especially because Soraka is very well known for running two tight end sets, yep. and these guys are going to get gassed quickly and. I just don't know. Like, I do you put Johnny and Victor out there and just kind of hope and pray? Or it's end of the day, this it's you need a lot from the portal still. Like, yep. you need a wide receiver, in my opinion. You need a tight end. You need at least one lineman, at least if not two. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, he didn't have any offense or one offensive transfer, and it's Nassim Brantley who broke his foot or did something with his foot in November. Like, it's. <laughs> Got to yeah. do something here. Like, I, I think mean, this, this team needs a lot of help still on offense. I think it's pretty telling that, you know, Coach Flats comes in. Now, obviously, he did work with the team last year. <clears throat> Who knows how much input he had or how what he actually did. He was consulting for Rutgers football last year. You know, immediately after he gets hired, Willie Tyler's in the portal, who started every game at left tackle last year for us. Um, we have a ton of young guys. It wouldn't surprise me if, Flats is just mixing and matching all camp just to see what guys can play, you know, who he could rely on, who can be like a swing tackle, who can go inside, outside. Because, I mean, you kind of got to make, for lack of a better term, chicken salad out of chicken shit right now. Not that these guys aren't talented, but they're young, they're green, and the offensive line was not good last year. And we lost a starter. We lost J.D. Dorenzo, who was the best lineman to the NFL draft. Um, we we need a lot of guys to kind of mature very quickly, uh, or we yeah. need to go deeper into the portal. Yeah, you're not kidding. I mean, like you just mentioned, they don't they're missing a tackle right now. Um, there's guys like Kamar Missouri who plays significant snaps at tackle. Tyler Needham's been a young guy that's up and coming. Um, Dante Chin flashed a little bit last year. Oh, and Pierce but they're all young. Up. They they don't have 
well, Holland Pierce is going to be the one starter at tackle, obviously, but the other tackle's yeah. position is just, it's extremely green. Yep. Like, there's no experience whatsoever. The guard spots, uh, you obviously bring back Dunlap. He's going to be good. Um, Ireland Brown, I think, found his home at center. And then that other guard spot, it's again, it's it's extremely green. You don't have anyone with experience or and I think that's, I think that's going to hurt Rutgers a ton this year. I know, no one, everyone's like, yeah, you know, like the only reason Kirk ran the ball so much with Minnesota last year is because uh, they had Muhammad Ibrahim. They're, the only reason he's going to run the ball that much this year is because they don't have a line, they don't have time to pass. So it's just going to be run, 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 run. In my opinion, uh, it's it's just setting up for a rough year if you don't hit that portal hard before uh, before fall. Absolutely. Um, and so the second portal uh, window opens, I believe, in about a month. I think right when uh, the spring practice window ends and Rutgers have the, decided intentionally to start everything really late this year to help uh, install the offense, I think is what Greg said, <clears throat> where you give as much time leading up to spring practice as possible so guys can get familiar with the new offense before you actually get on the field and start, you know, doing things. You can like learn a lot in the classroom. You can learn a lot from different like studying materials that they were given. So I think they do it also because of recruiting wise, because everyone's going on visits uh, all mm. April and March. That's and true. now it's like, Hey, there's only one spring game left at the end of April. Like let's go watch that. And you can get everyone. No one's busy. They can, they're all open. Everyone else is done with spring practice. There you go. You get everyone on campus at once. So Definitely helps. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, so that's kind of all we've got on football for right now. Um, stay tuned because I don't know. I don't. It's 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 real so tough because you can't. There's so much that they don't allow you to say that it's. You know, you have to kind of like tiptoe around what you say. I don't really know anything because I'm not at, at practice. But uh, you just kind of got to wait for what's reported on. And what's, what Shiano says is like half of what you're allowed to talk about. It's literally like just direct quotes and, and expounding mm-hmm. upon that. So is he, when is yeah. Shiano next scheduled to speak to the media? He's going to speak Saturday after the first scrimmage. Okay, so Saturday, this Saturday, the 8th, is the first scrimmage? Yes, correct. So <clears throat> another interesting little um, wrinkle to that is that some of you are aware that uh, Knights of Raritan have like different tiered perks. Um, and this Saturday, they actually have, if you're a $100 a month donor or higher, they have offered to um, allow you to attend as a, uh, like a VIP guest. Now you, you have to, if you, if you are in that tier, <clears throat> you should have gotten an email. Uh, you have to reserve by tomorrow, which is Thursday the 6th. So if you have not reserved yet and you are a $100, a month donor for Knights of the Raritan, please make sure if you'd like to go to uh, respond to that email because you're not going to be able to just walk up. Um, but just wanted to shout out Knights of the Raritan because that's a cool perk that they offer to their members. Um, Definitely hop in on that. We'll see you there. To, <laughs> yeah. Let's pivot to basketball, though. Um, Paul Mulcahy, uh, we were unsure about his future, and he announced recently that he is entering the NBA draft while also preserving his college eligibility uh tell us what you're hearing about paul um yeah so it sounds like paul's more than likely going to be back um i'm gonna putting in the nicest way possible he's not draftable um i there's just no way around it Uh, he hasn't he didn't even have that good of a season i know he struggled at the end um especially but uh yeah no he see i don't see him going to the nba drafts could he go overseas and make some significant money yeah of course he could uh but it sounds like he's going to come back for another year now, what kind of role is he going to be in? That's the intriguing part. We know Rutgers wants a point guard in the transfer portal. And I think that would probably be your main ball handler for the most part. And I think Paul probably plays a little more off-ball facilitator type role. Um, he's gotten better at that corner three, too. So that's that's only going to help open things up. Factoring Gavin Griffiths and uh, Mawat Mag coming back. And uh, I know we talked about it the other day. There's one. Which lineup was it? It was Mulcahy and Mag, right? It was one of the better lines. Yeah, I, want, ups in I, the wanted country. To, I wanted to do a whole post on that on the board. Um, okay, so we'll hold off then if you want. Nah, it's fine. Um, so, so there's a site called EvanMaya.com. I know I've referenced it before, uh, but they have lineup ratings. Mm-hmm. Now, 
to, to not go into overall statistics too much, but basically they have an efficiency rating per 100 possessions. How many points would you score based on all these advanced analytics? So the lower the score is for your defense efficiency, the better. That means you're allowing fewer points. And the mm -hmm. higher your efficiency is on offense, the better. That means you're scoring more points. Now, that being said, they offer the ability to select between lineups. So you could do two-man lineups, three-man lineups. Like when those two guys are on the court together, what is their efficiency numbers? And when all the five of these guys are on the court, what are their efficiency numbers? Now, if you look at the efficiency numbers for like guys who are on the court in high volume, so in terms of high volume, I mean over 270 possessions on the season, mm -hmm. the five-man lineup with Moat Mag, Caleb McConnell, Paul Mulcahy, Cliff O'Marui, and Cam Spencer are in the top 10 in Division One basketball for their overall adjusted team efficiency. Now, if you just look at the two-man lineups, it's even more staggering. Paul Mulcahy and Mawat Mag have the highest team efficiency margin in the entire Division One basketball. That's out of, you know, 353 teams. Those two guys together when they're on the court had the highest efficiency margin in the NCAA. Insane. And if you look at like yeah. all these different statistics, these three-man lineups, four-man lineups, five-man lineups, Mawat Mag is carpet bomb through all these. He is such an important piece. And the, the advanced analytics like, just kind of highlighted even further, like he was the number two three-man lineup and that was Mawat Mag, Paul Mulcahy, and Cliff O'Marie. And if you look at just defensive stuff, these guys are by far the best. Um, when you combine the two, they're near the top. In terms of four-man lineups, Rutgers has a, I think, the ninth-ranked lineup between Mag, Mulcahy, Cliff, and Spencer. So just insane how important Cliff or Mawat was. And losing him, it shouldn't surprise us that we kind of fell off as much as we did. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll have an article. Or not an article. I'll, I'll write up a post about it because I think it's pretty staggering in general. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of crazy how uh, how much Moat Mag meant to this team, and like uh, I think you mentioned it on here before. Out of all the in, the entire roster, you could that you could afford to lose for a little bit, and he was one of three that you could not afford to lose. So it uh, it sucks what happened, and um, kind of left him out of the tournament because of it. But uh, sounds like uh, next year him and Paul might uh, might be back on the court together again. So. Yeah, um, and if you just look at Paul's stats, like, what do you think Paul shot from three this year? Probably not great, but it's probably in the 30s, 34, 35. 37%. Um, yeah, on about two threes per game. So not super high volume, but he did take, you know, 54 threes and he made 20 of them. Um, and that's right in line with his career numbers. Like he's a career 36.4% three point shooter. Now, okay. obviously the more volume you take the, you know, if you're taking two a game, it probably means that you've gotten, you're probably taking like open looks. Now, if you up that, you're probably going to reduce your, um, your, your percentages, but obviously you'll make more ideally. So Paul, you know, took three, four a game, you probably would shoot. 33%, but that's still way better than everybody else. Or not everyone else in the team. Most of the guys on the team, like like yeah. Caleb and, and uh, Derek Simpson, both shot under 22% this year for three on fairly yeah, high volume no, on 60 like plus attempts each. Yeah, I was going to say, aren't, aren't they like bottom 25 or bottom 30? In NCAA? Yeah, yep. there was like, I think it was 13 guys in the NCAA this year who shot more oh, than 63 point attempts. Um, and, sh and made under 22% of them, and Rutgers had two of those guys in Dirksen yeah. and, and Caleb McConnell. So, and you're going to replace McConnell with Gavin Griffiths, who might be the best shooter in his recruiting class. So offense up, defense down. The game, the name of the game is offense now, so should be interesting. Yeah. Um, and speaking of interesting, uh, there's a few portal names, I think, that are interesting for Rutgers. Uh, one is Aaron Estrada, who entered the portal yesterday. He was Hofstra's point guard. Um, he didn't have a great game against Rutgers in the NIT game. He fouled out with, like, eight minutes left in the second half. Uh, but this was a guy who won Conference Player of the Year, I think, two years in a row. It, I think he won mm -hmm. it this year and was first-team all-conference two years in a row, maybe it was. Um, yeah, let's let's just shut that one down. That one's not happening. No, um, no. NIL, serious NIL involvement. Former Oregon kid, 
uh, now at Hofstra. Well, not anymore. She used to be at Hofstra. Um, he's heard from Alabama, Arkansas, um, Florida State, Georgetown, Kansas State, Ole Miss, Seton Hall, Tennessee. What do all those guys, Washington State, what do all those schools have in common? N I L. And hate to say it, Rutgers does not have NIL. So it's uh that's just the name of the game with the portals, um, with portal guys. And it's gonna be extremely tough to land these guys. Uh I think you're gonna have to go down a level a little bit and go towards the uh, uh you're gonna try to have to get a New Jersey native kid. I know Estrada is, but he's going straight NIL. Um you're gonna have to get like one of the Cam Spencer types or like an Andre Hyatt where you had a relationship previously, and that's that's Rutgers' best bet in terms of landing these prospects. Um it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough in the portal. And we, we've said this from day one um, and nothing's really changed. Yeah. It seems like Rutgers hasn't really been connected with a ton of portal guys uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, have entered the portal There's still a ton of time for guys to do it. They have, you know, more than a month to enter the portal before the, the window closes. And again, that's only for a guy to hop in the portal. You don't have to decide in this window. You just have to enter it by May 11th, I believe, in order to actually be able to to use the transfer portal. Yeah, that's the thing. There's still a whole other month left of portal entries. So guys are just, I I don't really know what guys are waiting for at this point. Like maybe just kind of seeing where the roster is in terms of uh, makeup. And like, I know there's a lot of decisions still to be made about NBA um, coming back, et cetera. But you're kind of at the point where you probably should be in the portal by now if you want to go anywhere at this point. So, yep. Um, we'll see. Wait and see what happens. There's new people entering every single day. Like you just said, Estrada just entered what yesterday, and yep. he was the CAA. I think that's the conference they're in player yep. of the year. So, yeah, we'll just kind of wait and see. And uh, just it's all about patience. Just got to be really patient. And they're going to reach out to guys. They're going to miss on guys. They're going to land someone eventually. It's just a matter of who and when. Absolutely. Um, let's talk some high school recruiting, though, and not anybody necessarily specifically, but just kind of a big event that happened over the weekend. Um, yes. The USA Junior National men's basketball team had a mini camp in Houston to kind of uh, match up with the Final Four. And it was a who's who um, of top prospects throughout the country. They also had multiple uh, they had multiple um, recruiting class years there. So it was kids between the classes of 2024 and 2026. And uh, there was a ton of media members there. And it seemed that Ace Bailey was one of the top attendees by far. He was getting shouted out from everybody. If you saw any clips about his uh, performance, it was just, you know, he was blowing past guys. He was hitting pull-ups. He was dunking on dudes. You know, he was playing great defense. what did you hear about Ace Bailey's performance from this past weekend? Yeah, it's kind of in line with what we've been saying for the most part. Um, I talked to someone that's near the top of the recruiting rankings, and he kind of said the same thing. It's uh, He had Ace Bailey as his number one before this even happened. Mm-hmm. They, as, as long as – if Ace was healthy during the AAU season last year, he probably would be number one or number two on most, most boards. I think the fact that he was injured kind of hurt his ranking a little bit. I know it's not – supposed to per se but it's hard to get like your junior year is when you kind of get those rankings when you kind of figure out who's who what their potential is and when you don't get to see them against the best of the best it kind of hurts your ranking a little bit um so now everything he's still what three four whatever he is he's in the top five uh, of every recruiting service at this point maybe not espn yeah. but espn's is trash anyway so i don't really God, care so fucked i don't yeah. i don't understand why or how they don't invest more into it but that's i whatever less competition for us um, Ace Bailey is four right now for us. I still think he's he's just going to go up higher. And then he's going to go to the AAU season this year, and it's going to just – he's going to take off. It's just going to be like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Like, wow. Like, no one knew this kid was this good. Like, everyone knew he was that good. He just was injured. Like, if he wasn't injured, yep. I'm telling you, he would be number one in his class. And I think after that little performance, people are going to look at it and be like, oh, shit, we, we underrated this kid. Underrated at three and four? Like, mm-hmm. it's – and they might not even be, they might get another top three kid, top four, whatever he is. Excellent transition because another one of the top performers from this event was Dylan Harper, who, um, if you guys haven't heard, Ron Harper Jr. has a younger brother named Dylan. Um, he yeah. might be a good recruit. I don't know. He's top five also. Um, yeah. Plays Don Bosco. So he 
one of the things that I heard from this event was how physically mature he looked compared to his competition. Mm -hmm. I was reading that, you know, looking at him, he had like the most college ready body of any of the guards at the event. Like he just looked like he had put on some really good weight. He was muscular. He was able to finish around the rim. And if you've seen him play, like that is, you know, he is a great finisher. He just, you know, he takes contact really well and is able to, to make a ton of really difficult shots, not necessarily like Kyrie Irving level of, you know, crazy flexibility at the rim, but just, you know, hard contact and able to, to put up, uh, you know, good shots and, and make them with a really high level of efficiency. Um, he's also got a pretty good outside shot. He's a lefty. Um, and he gave some interviews after this that uh, sounded really good for Rutgers. Um, yeah, what did you hear about lame. Dylan at the event? He's not a lame, like fucking Bronny James avoiding the media <laughs> and shit. Uh, like, what, what was that? How would you? You're know, such man. a coward. Like, stop. You're not that important. You're like yeah. the number 50-something ranked recruit, Bronny. Relax. Like, Sorry, that shit pissed me off because it's like, come on, like everyone's there specifically. You're only in the game because of who your father is, if you want to be honest. Yeah, you hit two open threes. Congrats, but just screw him. We're talking about a top five player over here. Top three player, actually, per rivals. Um, Dylan Dylan spoke very highly of Rutgers. Um, uh, it's been everyone was posting about how Ace Ace Baldwin's or Ace Baldwin. Asa Bailey's interviews um, all mentioned about how he's recruiting Dylan Harper. Everyone was talking about how he's like literally in Dylan Harper's ear during like these, these warmups mm-hmm. and practices and stuff. Um, I think Rutgers has, I've been saying it from the, from the get Rutgers has a really good shot at Dylan Harper. Been very consistent with that. I don't see that changing. He's still going to take those visits. Like I mentioned on the boards, he's going to go to Auburn. He's going to go to uh, what was the other one? I don't Kansas. Even I think. Kansas. And cool, like that's Auburn's tough because they have a lot of NIL, but I don't see NIL being a factor here. I think it's Rutgers or Duke with Rutgers in the lead right now, and I don't, I don't see it changing. Like I really don't. I think Rutgers has what a top five class right now, top four class maybe. Um, and he, he had Dylan, he had Ace, he had Delquan Warren, who's always who's looking better and better every time people watch him play. And then you you could add anyone like Lathan Somerville. Donnie Freeman, like you're gonna have a top five class, I think, when it's all said and done, if not higher. Yeah. So Adam Zagoria, who's a, a very you know connected and um, seasoned uh, basketball reporter in the area, uh, I was talking to Ace Bailey, and Ace said that he's he's working on uh, he's working hard on getting Dylan to Rutgers. In a separate interview that Dylan gave. Ace Bailey came up behind as Dylan was getting interviewed and just started talking up Rutgers. Dylan, you know, in one of his quotes, he said, Rutgers is home. And that's a a really positive quote. And it shouldn't really surprise anybody. Like Dylan's been going to Rutgers basketball games probably since he was in middle school, if not earlier. Like, cause you got to think like, what was, what was Ron? He was a class of 2017 or 2018 kid. I think 2018, but I could be wrong on that. 2018. Yeah. So Ron's probably been going to schools for visits since 2015, 2016. His mom and little brother are tagging along. So Dylan's probably in like sixth or seventh grade. And that's when his relationship started building with Mike. That's a relationship now that's, you know, six, seven years old. And for a kid who's 16, that's like half his life that he's known Pike and he's been close to that family. So it's funny trying, it's funny seeing Duke fans rationalize why Rutgers is in this race. <laughs> without understanding that like this kid has been to dozens of Rutgers basketball games. He's hung out with basketball players at Rutgers for his entire life. Like remember what Gio was saying that, you know, half the team stayed at Ron's place during, uh, during COVID and they were, it was like the little brother of the group. So he's been ingrained in Rutgers basketball and Rutgers basketball culture for half of his life. So he knows exactly what he's getting into with Pike. He knows it's no bullshit. He's seen it with his brother, Ron goes out of his way to come back to Rutgers as much as possible. Ron goes out of his way to hype up Rutgers at every turn. Like he is a true believer. The family's the family is a true believer. And now it's just up to Dylan to kind of decide what's right for him. And it sounds really positive for Rutgers. And it's, it, we still have that official visit and it sounds like, and this is another nugget that dropped from uh, this event. Uh, Dylan said he wants to decide after peach jam, 
The Peach Jam is an annual AAU tournament that happens in Georgia each summer. This year, it's happening over July 4th weekend, which is July 6th to the 9th. So mm -hmm. the decision date is probably in that week after that, so middle of July, just to kind of put it on everyone's radar. So Rutgers has their official visit, which will probably happen, if I had to guess, in you know June. early June. This is usually yeah. when they take those visits. So because that's like before, that's like after high school ends and before AAU season really ramps up. So that's a good window for basketball to, to take visits. So I don't know. I feel really good about it. I've only felt better, you know, as the Duke visits have kind of passed uh, Berdillon. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like he's going to, like, I'm not going to say isn't going to, but it sounds like he might not go visit there again either. And that's. Yeah. It's very telling. I think this is the fact that he hasn't taken the Rutgers official yet tells you everything right there. They're going to save that one for last. It's going to be the big visit. Everyone's going to hype it up. Duke fans are going to be like, oh, whatever, man. Like, it doesn't matter. But, like, no, you, you, you lost out to Rutgers. Like, I hate to say it, but um, I, I really am very confident here. And I think between Harper, between Bailey, between Warren, like, Warren doesn't get enough talk, in my yeah. opinion. He's going to be He's such really a good. good point guard for them. He's um, another adding, too. Yeah, adding Gavin Griffiths, and it's like the, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it's it's you have to kind of pinch yourself every once in a while thinking of the amount of talent that Rutgers is going to have at Jersey Mike's Arena in two years. I mean, next year they're going to be very good too. Like I think they're assuming that we get a few pieces in the portal. I, I don't think there's any question they're a tournament team, but yeah, that next year is like the what you know. Assuming that you know guys like. Gavin come in and make an impact and improve by year two. A guy like Dirk Simpson takes a step up. Hell, like we could get Cliff back for that that year too if we there's no if way. we convince him. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but he has two years of eligibility left. Um, so yeah. we shall uh, I see. It, yeah, I find it interesting that like they they're still not a big man. Like they need a true yeah. big man. Like I I don't know who they're gonna get. Maybe Portal. Maybe maybe Wolfolk develops. But it's it's gonna be interesting where they go with that. Yep, definitely. Um, let's uh, hit a little bit of a grab bag here. So yesterday they broke ground on the women's tennis facility, which seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. Um, is this a situation where, and Pat said this, Pat Hobbs said this when we interviewed him, that, you know, you have a plan, but if a donor comes to you who's all about Sport X and it wasn't necessarily the, the number one priority, but he's like, or she is like, I want to donate X amount of dollars towards X sports facility that helps get the, the wheels moving. Do you think this is an example of that kind of situation with the, the tennis facility? I don't know where this really came from, but if you listen to Pat Hobbs uh, speaking on the RU, no, Rucker, at Rucker's Tennis uh, Twitter account, he um, was like a whole little video about uh, everything. And he, he did mention, he's like, it's, this thing's going to get put together really fast. It's going to be on, a, I believe it's Livingston campus um, is where they're moving it to. Right now, Rutgers does not have a, a facility for tennis. They go to East Brunswick Racquet Club to go to, for their home matches. That's, that's an atrocity for any like Power 5 school. I think that's just such a bad look, and the fact that they're getting this built, and it looks, based on artist renderings, I could probably show you real quick. Uh, where do I go for this? Where is it? Screen window. There it is. And it, it kind of looks pretty. No, it's not loading. Cool. It looks pretty sick. I'm not going to lie. Like with all this, oh, this yeah, stuff, whatever this is, like this whole tennis facility, and then they're going to build side courts for practice, I would assume, over here. And this would be game day stuff. Um, it's definitely Livingston because I think that's the volleyball net right there. Yep. Because I, I believe that that's over there by the, um, by the, uh, I forget what building it is. But, um, Overall, like the, this is going to be huge for Rutgers. And then the biggest thing no one's talking about is that the tennis courts are right next to the Hale Center. They're getting moved. So what does that mean? We heard rumors of it last offseason. I mentioned on the boards. That's where they were going to – they looked into putting the football facility, where the tennis courts are currently. But I was told there wasn't enough space. It was too close to the, the hill right there. So I, I heard it wasn't going to be possible there, and it was going to be the yellow lot. Mind you, this was – this was football season this past season um, towards the end of football season. Apparently uh, one of the donors I know mentioned that they're going to put it in the yellow lot and it's going to be next to the blue lot and this and that it's going to be right next to the rockin. 
maybe plans have changed since then. I don't know. Um, I'm not in the athletic department. I'm not like involved in that type of stuff, but it does seem like things are starting to progress on the football side of things. And um, I know there's no technical plan out there. There's no rendering. It wasn't even part of the master plan. They kept it out, which I thought was interesting. But um, I, I think things are really progressing quickly in terms of uh, Rutgers renovations. Yeah, which is, is great news because, um, you know, ideally you, you got to get the shovels on the ground to actually get these things moving. And it's, it's always just, a, you know, it's always a plan until you start doing something. So, um, you know, putting a shovel in the ground for a facility, you know, clears out the queue ahead for the football facility and other stuff that they want to get done. And I'm sure we'll yeah. learn more about that when Pat comes back on the podcast in June. We haven't set a date for mm -hmm. that, but um, we will uh, definitely reach out to him when uh, the time comes. Yeah, it's amazing how bad Olympic sports were uh, over the past, I don't even know, 30, 40, 50 years at this point. Like golf can't even host a home match because it's too short of a course. I like it because it plays better to my game. But um, for the Big Ten, like you can't even host a home match. Rutgers literally has not been able to host a home match for golf. That's how bad it is. They have an 18-hole course too on campus. Yeah, and it's like, it's just too short. Like it's not regulation. Um, they went to East Brunswick racket club for tennis. You, like it's not far, but it's not close either. Like, I don't know if you know where the East Brunswick racket club is. It's all the way by like, where the Toys R Us in uh, East Brunswick used to be on route one or route, uh, route 18. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a pain in the ass. It's almost by like the Hooters over there. <laughs> like it's like, it's right. Actually it's in between that, the Toys R Us and the Hooters. It's like, what the f I didn't even know it was there. The only reason I knew it was there is because I ironically passed it yesterday when I made a U-turn. Because uh, I was going to Taqueria back in New Brunswick because that place is phenomenal. <laughs> Holy hell. Like, that, was a, that was great. Um, but yeah, uh, they, they need so much help on the, on the Olympic side of things that this is just a start. And the fact that they're finally getting the love and getting uh, shovels in the ground is a really good sign for not just tennis, but other sports too. Absolutely. Um, next, let's talk a little Rutgers wrestling. So in a recent podcast, Excellent. we kind of teased that there is a Pennsylvania hammer on the way. Uh, we kind yes. of talked about the, the level of uh, recruit this would be, and we said he'd be a five-star recruit in the rivals ranking system because he's a top 25 kid. Cat is officially out of the bag. He committed last week. Connor Harar, I believe his name is, from Montgomery, yes. Pennsylvania. He's a 152-pound wrestler. He's a two-time Pennsylvania state champion. He is a junior national uh, champion as of this past year as well. Um, this is a kid who Rutgers has been in a really good position with for a while. Um, one of the top recruits in the country. Uh, he should be able to have the. He should be able to come in and and at least compete for a job right away, if not start right away. This is a multiple All-American type kid possible national champion level wrestler. What are you hearing about Connor and how did this whole thing come together? Um, yeah, Rutgers just pretty good relationship with Goody, to be honest, at the end of the day. And that's, um, it started, I want to say a year ago when they, when they're legally or legally, when the NCAA allows them to talk to, uh, kids at his age, but, um, Goody put in the work here. This was all Goody. Um, he's technically 152 two pounds i think he's wrestling at he's number he's ranked six on flow for that weight class he's four on matt scouts um but he's projected 157 in college i was told um uh, so that, that's huge for Rutgers to get a, a middleweight guy of this caliber he's 133 and five as he heads into his senior year the two-time well, state champ um he's this is huge for Rutgers. and four uh, of those losses very, very came big. in his freshman year too so he's lost he's lost yes. one time in the last two seasons uh, I have to go back. I forget what place he finished in. I think it was six his freshman year in the states, which is a huge alone to say to say the least. Um, but then he just he's been dominant ever since, and I don't really see much change in there. Now he's the second commitment in the 2024 class with uh, Alex Nini at a Christian Brothers Academy, who's also very good. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a 133 pounder. They did lose um, Heinrich. I think his name was Heinrich, right? Matt Heinrich. I recall. Yeah, I think yeah, I think from Southern Regional. Yeah, so they lost him technically, um, but I'm told that it's actually not officially lost there. I'm, I'm I'm being told that they still have a really good shot. 
Um, he did decommit to kind of see what other, um, put it nicely, offers are out there. Not scholarships, but um, other type of offers. So we'll see what happens in that regard. Uh, it does sound like Rutgers actually has a little bit of NIL in terms of uh, Rutgers wrestling. So we'll, we'll wait and see there. Um, if you noticed recently, the Knights of the Raritans kind of hyped it up a little bit. They uh, they made some kind of partnership with three wrestlers. All I know is it was Andy Clark and two others. Um, might have been Connor, and, yeah, Connor O'Neill, maybe. I forget. There's a third wrestler. Something like that. Yeah. They, they have some kind of a partnership or some kind of deal with uh, a certain wrestling company. So it's a good, it's a really good start. And then uh, next year's going to be interesting in terms of where Rutgers goes because there's so many options of things you could do with your lineup. Um, we also heard that they were in it for. I'm not even going to. How do you how do you pronounce that name? Do you know the Harvard kid? I think it's just. Uh, yeah. no, I don't. Yanni? Yari? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not even going to try it. Harvard heavyweight transfer. Put it like that. I think he finished six in the Big Ten, or uh, six overall in uh, NCAAs this year. He visited. Sounds like he's still going to go to Michigan. Um, now, I mentioned before, Rutgers has NIL, not a ton of NIL. And that's probably the main factor there, is what I heard. So, it, it sucks there. You still need a heavyweight. Um... I think PJ Casal is a heavyweight next year. I don't know how healthy he'll be. Um, I do think he returns. Um, the plan right now is Soldano at 184 and then Paz at 197, replacing uh, probably Billy Janzer at that 197 spot. So you have a pretty good lineup going in the next season. Uh, you return, what, eight starters technically? One, two, three. I think so, yeah. Five, six, seven. Yeah, eight starters. So it's uh, if, if you can get a heavyweight, man, that's, this could be a really good team. But I said that. I think last year before last season, and it just backfired. But Rutgers is last year was just a better dual team than they were actual like individuals, and that's, that's kind of why you saw these struggles at Big Ten tournaments and uh, NCAA tournament too. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be intriguing to see where they go. I know X is gonna have an entire notebook of recruiting updates very soon, so um, just kind of wait on that. And once that comes out, we'll be able to talk a little uh, a little more in depth on guys. Do you want to go into two more things wrestling-related before we, we move on here? So Connor Harar, uh, he has a younger brother named Brant as well, who's also a very good wrestler. Very he good. came in second in the state this year as a freshman um, at 121 pounds. Uh, this is a kid who um, also won a junior national uh, title this year at the same event uh, Connor won. Um, now, that this... That weight class is kind of loaded, um, and it's usually a lot of, um, you know, freshmen or sophomores that uh, are in the top rankings this weight class because as you get older, you grow and you kind of yeah. uh, phase yourself out of the, the lower levels and kind of into the midweights. Um, this is another kid who's like a top 20 uh, wrestler at his weight class as a freshman. So by the time he's a senior, he'll probably be one of the top kids in the country at his weight, whatever he ends up at, whether that be in the 120s or the 130s, 140s, who knows. But another super high-level recruit to keep an eye on because I'm sure Rutgers will be recruiting him as well. Um, yeah. Now they're doing they're doing good with the whole uh, old brother thing between the mm -hmm. Mini brothers and now the uh, Harar brothers, hopefully. Yeah, the Ashnaults back in the day. Um, I forgot about them. Yeah. Uh, another kid, though, I wanted to – to highlight, um, Northwestern had a kid enter the portal. Um, Chris Collins, I believe, is that his name? Uh, Chris Cannon. Chris, Chris Chris Cannon. Sorry, I think Collins yeah. is the basketball coach. Uh, Chris Cannon's a Jersey kid um, who entered the portal last week. What are you hearing about him? The Rutgers have have a chance here. Um, they do have a chance, uh, but Penn State's flying out this. Or Kale Sanderson is going to see him this week, I believe. Uh, ironically, he's, his, uh, dad is very close with my family. So I should have the, uh, the entire lowdown on that recruitment. Um, I know Michigan offered him, like we're talking over six figures already. Wow. I know. Um, yeah. So he's a two-time All-American at 133 at Northwestern. Last year, he kind of struggled a little bit. I think he lost, uh, in the second round of the consolation bracket. He lost round one immediately to a Cal Bakersfield guy. Uh, one round, one of the consolation and then lost in the second round of the consolation to, I want to say it was a rider kid actually. Um, but I, I'm not sure. I got to go back and look, but uh, 
Yeah, no, he's he's gotten significant NIL offers from several programs. Obviously, just named Michigan. Um, Penn State's pushing for him. Penn State has a lot of NIL in terms of wrestling. Um, they also have the background and the resume to, to back it up. Uh, I know Rutgers is pushing for him because he is a Jersey guy. He trains with Sebastian Rivera's dad, um, Steve Rivera, down in, uh, I don't want to say South Jersey, but it's like, close to south it's like the bottom of monmouth county it's like it's it's, it's close it's close it's, it's so it's close peak central jersey whatever man uh, <laughs> the force of habit you see the shore and it's just like oh this is south like, um i think he's actually uh i think it's the bottom of i might be wrong maybe it's not the bottom of south jersey or bottom, bottom of monmouth county whatever it doesn't matter you know what um whatever Rutgers is right there in it but it sounds like penn state's starting to take a little bit of a lead and for most transfer wrestlers it's, it's extremely hard to say no to penn state right now yeah. um they're just the resume speaks for itself they win the title like every other year if not every year it's it's tough so until that changes um I'll keep you guys updated on the boards in terms of canon, but uh, that's that's really all I know for the time being. Sounds good, yeah. Um, I think Penn State has won since Kale Sanderson got there. They've won uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yes. nine, ten of ten of thirteen national championships. 10 of 12 yeah, national that's, championships. That's insane. Pretty, and the only other teams do, literally there hasn't, this is actually crazy. So since 2007, every single team national champion mm -hmm. came from the Big Ten Conference. Oh yeah, I don't expect any anything less at that point. The Big Ten, what, dominates five of the top seven seeds every year? Yep. Yeah, it's essentially so. like take whatever the seeding is for the Big Ten championships and just superimpose that onto the NCAA championships because it's basically that. Occasionally, more programs got into it. Like it kind of pisses yeah. me off that like the ACC is just kind of like fuck it. Like it's just UNC and that's. Well, they have like it. these weird years where they'll have an NC State guy win a national title. They'll have yeah. you know a Virginia Tech guy win a national title. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember a few years ago <clears throat> there was a guy in Arizona State who didn't have any legs and won a national title? Yeah, that was crazy. Um, um, yeah, they, they have to, I just feel like the sport needs to grow a little bit and it's, it's kind of starting to a little, I don't know if you noticed the barstool wrestling account. Yeah. Jersey Jerry. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, Rutgers content on there. If you watch the first video, um, yep. they only had one video released so far, but the fact that barstool invested into a wrestling account kind of tells me that the, the sport might be growing quicker than I think. I agree. Um, uh, it's definitely the market for it. It's just, they haven't really, um, Especially with like how popular the MMA has gotten and how many top MMA guys come from the college wrestling ranks, mm -hmm. um, wouldn't surprise me at all if if, uh, if that crowd got pushed pretty heavily into college wrestling. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Um, do you, kind of a little bit of a segue. Do you think like you know how like Barstool has been? They're all about Rutgers because it's close, mm -hmm. and if they're good, they're of course they're going to be there. So they've been like at the football like tailgating scene. They've done that. They've done basketball practice. They've went into. They went into wrestling practice. The barnstormer or the uh, the, the uh, um, court stormers. Court stormers were there for the yeah. uh, they, Maryland they game. An all, the all access for basketball. The all access for wrestling. You mm. see what it does for those programs. It builds yep. hype. Yep. Do you think Greg would ever have barstool? in the football facility. Well, it's funny because uh, PMT, or PFT, sorry, he had that song you wrote about Shiano. The, the Shiano, Man. Shiano Man. So he's he's a Shiano guy. Like, he's, yeah. he's I I think Greg's just too paranoid to, to allow it to happen, honestly. I know, but it's spring ball. Like, you should just invite them once. You had, like, uh, they had some kind of cast there yesterday. I forget who the hell it was. It's like... It's the show after Saturday Night Live. I don't know who the hell runs it, but um, yeah, they came. To, they came to practice. They let them do a bunch of stuff. Like you just, you gotta promote this thing. So if, I think the best way to do it, get a big media company like Barstool, which is what forty-five minutes away, maybe less, yep. depending on traffic. But so I don't know. That's just me uh, ranting a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers is the only, you know, Power Five school within. 
how many hours of New York City? Two and a half. How far do you have to go yeah. to hit like the Syracuses and the Boston Colleges and the Penn uh, States? UConn? Oh, Power Five, yeah. So UConn's only Power Five. To, um, yeah, I guess that's probably the. There's no one within two hours, I guess. Yeah, wow, it's crazy. Yeah. So if you want to have a big event and involve these big oh, yeah. media companies out of New York City, light up. Then you know, so. it's 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 a sleeping giant for a lot of reasons. Just another one being, you know. You have access to these uh, different companies that a lot of people don't. So, yep. All right, I'll we've covered a ton here. Is there anything we didn't hit on that you wanted to touch on before we sign off? Uh, yeah. Shout out to Steve Owens. Thousand career wins. Uh, programs yep. in a weird spot right now. Uh, because they almost got swept by Michigan State. They avoided that one luckily by the Sunday win. Um, but the bats are just—they're kind of there. It's the pitching. The pitching's been super questionable, and I—that's kind of what happens when you bring up a D two, D three. I don't even know where Lemoyne is. What is Lemoyne? D two, I guess. Um, I don't know, honestly. It's so. I mean, your D two pitch. One of your guys is a D two transfer from Lemoyne, D three, whatever it is. The other one's Friday starter Drew Conover was projected to be your closer, and he's your Friday starter. So maybe they got to switch some stuff there. I know some guys have been better than others. Cinebaldi's been pretty solid, it seems like. Um, I, I, I know they won, so I can't I can't hate on them too much. They did shut out Hofstra, but big big weekend this weekend against Maryland. Maryland's um, I don't know where they rank in the Big Ten, but they're seventeen and ten on the year. So I'm assuming on the top, upper half because they do play a pretty hard schedule there. Uh, so you got got to snag two. Got if you want any chance at this NCAA tournament this year, you got to start winning and you got to start doing it now. So. We'll kind of wait and see what happens there. Well, the weird thing is Rutgers, in terms of the RPI, is actually ranked pretty highly. Uh, so it's the the metric that they use to help <laughs> seed teams for the NCAA tournament. So Rutgers, in terms of the RPI, yeah. is ranked 36th right now, despite them being okay. 15 and 13. Um, yeah, right now they're near they're one and two, so they're near the bottom technically. Yeah, it's only bottom four. There's only one team ahead of Rutgers in the Big Ten in the RPI, and that's Indiana, and they're 29. Uh, they're ranked 29th in the RPI. So a hell of a year. I mean, this is basically being propped up by Rutgers playing such a a difficult schedule because um, they really didn't beat they it wanted. Up. Yep. Yeah, you got to do it. But you can't be losing to, like, Boston College and UNC Greensboro. You yeah. Swept by UNC Greensboro. Well, Boston College is really good this year. Boston College is in the top 10. They, uh, you know what sucks is that they, they fought so hard against UConn, too, and they, they were leading in two of the three games, and they just blew it. And it comes down to pitching at the end of the day. you got to get this pitching situation figured out. Now, you can snag two out of three in Maryland. It's a hell of a start. And uh, yeah. also, it will be on TV, too, I forgot to mention. Friday's BTM Plus, so yes. Uh, Saturday Saturday's Big Ten. Sunday, 1 o'clock, if you're not doing anything, ESPNU got picked up. So. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty big news for uh, Rutgers baseball, considering uh, most of the games are BTN plus for the most part, which is another issue in facilities that we didn't really touch on. But that's they don't have the capabilities to put BTN at Baton Field, Baton Field, Baton Field, Baton Field. Yeah. 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 So that's another issue. Uh, Olympic sports need help. They need tons of help. So they're getting it though. It's just you know, totally a, short. a lot of needs and. You only have so many, uh, so, many, so much funds, and so uh, you just have limited resources to get it done. But they're they're yeah, working hard. I know they're they're getting there. So anyway, uh, I think that's really it. We got some visitors this week, but nothing like huge. Couple a uh, couple big names include Rowan Byrne, Kenny Jones commit uh, from twenty twenty four class, and one guy I'm going to keep a real close eye on that I didn't mention at all actually, Brahim Wynn. Linebacker at a Timber Creek. He actually was recently included on my April Crystal Ball, which we predict the the 2024 class every month. I think there's a really good shot he could walk away with an offer. He's got good size. He's got solid speed. He's only got one Power Five offer right now, but this could be Rutgers' chance to get in early and land a linebacker and call it a day. Um, because you might end up having two linebackers in this class with Gabriel Winowich too, who potentially could play running back or linebacker, but uh. I'd keep a close eye on him to uh, potentially get an offer this weekend. 
Interesting. So uh, stay tuned because it sounds like there's a lot that could be uh, happening this weekend. Um, yep. But for me and Richie, this has been another edition of the Network Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.